Welcome back, everybody, to part two of this fantastic discussion. We're with Madeleine Monroe and Topher Taylor, all about sex and intimacy. Um, is foreplay important? Big question. I expect the answer will be yes, but let's hear some more uh, thoughts. I would say foreplay is the, the main course. Right. I would say foreplay is the, the main deal. And this idea that it should only be as a lead up to sex um, is, yeah, a great sadness to people experiencing sex. I think it ruins the experience and then it makes sex as something we're going towards or the orgasm's the goal. And actually, how can we perhaps have the intention to experience pleasure together sure. and to see what that feels? And so, yeah, I would say foreplay is the main thing for, for my teachings. How about you, Tofa? I, I mean, I love foreplay. Like, it's, sex is great and I obviously love it. But, like, foreplay for me is the most intimate way to discover mm. somebody. Like, yeah, having someone on top of you and then, like, pumping inside you, blah, blah, blah. That's great. Blah. But there's something really special about exploring somebody's body and their erogenous mm -hmm. zones and their genitals and you know all those tastes smells mm -hmm. and textures and is there any better way to get to know someone than to mm -hmm. like know what they smell like and mm -hmm. see their hair and or their lack of and yeah i'm a, i don't really like the word foreplay too much mm -hmm. i just see it all as sex because yeah, like same. i've had amazing experiences which have just like not resulted in orgasm mm -hmm. so i don't know i'm but i'm like a big oral sex person and that's always deemed as foreplay but like I can be fully fulfilled sexually without orgasming, giving a blowjob. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I get that rush and release just from giving. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's interesting because you, you say that foreplay. You wouldn't say foreplay, call it sex. I'd, yeah, I mean I'd say the exact the same thing. Yeah. The reason we call it foreplay is we it's before play, and I just don't think that's that's right mm -hmm. uh, personally. Um, as someone with limited sexual experience with women, but just an absolute wealth with men um foreplay <laughs> tends to be <laughs> tends to be pretty limited um on the male side but with women it's much more which i, I find mm. intriguing actually um because yeah the men that i've been with have, have been much less into the time before when you do the exploration you actually soul search almost through whatever you're doing but when i've whenever i've been with women I mean, that's the best part. For me, that's the only part that really matters because it is that exploration. And yeah, I, I just think that it's become a bit of a meme, I think, in a way, the way that we talk about well, foreplay is the best part. But actually, it, it really is. Yeah. And well, it's I, lovely. It's so special. so mm, intimate. Yeah. Like even like things like just playing with someone's nipples and like mm. just like this is one of a million things you can do. There's only two nipples usually. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think foreplay is just like to me, it's like kind of almost magical. Sure. Yeah. Because it's just that really one. If it, for mm -hmm. me personally, I like one to one. It's a really special way to get to know somebody mm -hmm. and to understand what makes them tick. And you can learn so much from foreplay if you want to be shrugging my fingers bunny fingers again great in bed mm -hmm. how does this person respond to certain mm -hmm. pressure on a certain part of their penis great so now i know if i'm riding them i should lean back good that you kind of said that it kind of informs not just the foreplay itself but actually what you're doing later on as well mm -hmm. yeah if, if you do intend on going on to have sex it's a great way to learn about their body mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and what the limit like again going into like the nitty-gritty some people with foreskins don't like pressure in a certain way. Some people mm -hmm. who are circumcised need extra pressure. Sure. So it's a great way to learn how to control. Like, if you're someone like me who like has anal, like you can clench to make things nicer. Some people don't like that because it might make them come too quick or it's too much pressure. So for me, I use it as a great tool. But then I, I look at people like I study them. 
Mm. That's my job. But I think it's a great thing for anyone in bed mm -hmm. is to mm. like look at your partner and foreplay or when you're just like playing with their clit or whatever, their breasts or however they like to play or you like to play. Use it as, if you're going to be going on to have sex and you really want to please them, use it as a map. Yeah, I definitely do that. I study mm -hmm. how people respond. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why I'm so popular in Brixton. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point, though. That is, yeah, about using that to learn about each other and, and, and that making the sex more fulfilling. I think it's also just a really good way to build tension and expectation mm. and excitement, isn't it? That this person that you're about to have sex with, you get to have this bit before the sex where it's it just builds up the the excitement even more and you get to know them and yeah yeah special. i love for for i keep saying for play when they say i don't like it but i love it and i think maybe there is there is a bit too much focus on the sex perhaps because it's the performance aspect the yeah. sex is what matters yeah and you have to perform and so the foreplay is just yeah. the bit where you get each other well, ready is yeah, yeah, you yeah. know in some cases maybe that's for it, some yeah. men as quickly as possible so that you can get yeah. down to the yeah, that's the thing that's deemed to matter. That's the kind of question I wanted to follow up with is that a, a lot of sex is very penis focused. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think that's healthy, but there is a kind of a, a movement away from that, I think. Certainly from the discussion we had about, you know, these kind of wellness mm -hmm. festivals and sex therapy and general sex positivity is being more open about foreplay mm -hmm. and its benefits for the experience itself, but also relationships. Mm. I wonder though if there is still this inherent focus in heterosexual relationships uh solely on the penis <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> because mm -hmm. it just feels to me that this it's become and it still is this huge huge thing yeah this idea around that foreplay alludes to something else is the, the, the actual thing um and this focus on yeah the male penis in, in heterosexual relationships and it's interesting because yeah, I have, yeah, I host events where there may be um, like a space for people to explore. So I'll do boundaries, consent, like workshops, and there'll be an open play space. And the boundaries in that play space is no cock vulva penetration. Okay. And people have shared that it changes their life because they've never spent that time with someone without like somewhere to get to. They, they've always like seen it, but like to have hours of like, oh, that's completely off the table. And now we can do all of these things. And like, wow, I didn't even know I liked that. Oh my God, I didn't even think to get that because I've always been so single focus to the penetration. So yeah, and I'm curious because I feel like where that can stem from is like the societal view on sex, sure. what we've been taught in films, porn, pop culture, and how we get to unpack that in, in future generations and, and get to create, as we're seeing it now, different forms of intimacy, like, all the different pleasure that may be available to people because men are multi-orgasmic as well. So what's this myth that you can only orgasm through your cock? No, definitely. Like I'm obsessed with prostates. Like mm. uh, every single toy I develop at the minute, I'm working with a few brands. I work with a brand called Nexus and they make incredible prostate massages. And mm. I, when I first tried a prostate massage, I'm like, no, it just feels a bit weird. I feel like I'm going to piss. Then a few times in, you're like, oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to see why people like this so much. So yeah. I think that, again, there's so much sex is so, like, penis-centric. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, like, for me, somebody, like, I'm a big whore, I love cock, so of course I'm going to focus on it. But there's so many other parts to mm -hmm, people's bodies mm -hmm. that are fascinating. Yeah. You know, and it's just granting someone, which, again, comes from communication, granting someone the permission to explore the other parts. Like, do you want to try being rimmed? Do you mm -hmm. like your nipples played with? Like, mm -hmm. even things like, you're, do you like to be stroked? Do you like body worship? Blah, blah, blah. I think those mm -hmm. things lead to just so much fulfillment. And you, you can get so much more from it. 
for me personally, if I have a really intimate, say I have a, I meet somebody and we like really have a foreplay session, so to speak, you feel so much more connected to them. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I really believe, I've never mm. felt that same connection to somebody and intimacy just from fucking them. Yeah. Like fucking is great. And mm. like, of course I made a career out of it, but like <laughs> the, there's that intimate connect and that understanding, especially for long-term relationships mm. to just really explore their bodies and feel comfortable enough to ask for it, mm-hmm. yeah. which I know is so mortifying and we're trained not to be talking about, especially in England, mm-hmm. you know, stiff upper lip culture. We don't yeah. talk about things like that, mm-hmm. um, but, but we can put 16 year olds on page three. But like yeah. you, you can't talk about you know your wife can't say she wants you to go down on her or yeah so so moving a a bit further ahead I guess and thinking well how can we what what do we need to do to develop more intimate and more sexually pleasurable experiences and relationships it seems like I mean it seems like we've got a few irons in this fire so we've got communication seems like valuing foreplay is a really important part and experimenting with toys and 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 really trying to find your desires it almost seems like sex itself is not the key but the the way that we talk about it the way that we contextualize it seems mm. to be the most important thing would that be a a good way to summarize it in terms of how do we get to a more to develop really intimate and sexually pleasurable I think, interactions. Remembering that se- like sex almost seems like this big, like overwhelming demon. Like we've got, just got to get there. We've just got to get like, and it's terrifying and it's weird and it's confusing and it's arousing and it's mysterious. But like sex is about all of the steps before, in my opinion. Like if, if sex was like, if great sex was as simple as just getting fucked, finding someone with a big dick and doing that, like how boring would it be? Mm-hmm. You know, it's about, dissecting ourselves but like if you want to be a great lover and a great partner and if you want to really fulfill somebody in many ways you need to own your own shit before yeah Mm -hmm. because you need to be open and Mm -hmm. vulnerable to know what you like and then through that you develop the empathy to understand how like for me personally I learned to be a great lover because I dissected my shit mm-hmm. not literally not like Gillian McKeith <laughs> but like sorry <laughs> sort of lower the tone but I I learned to be a good lover because I just dissected myself and I was mm-hmm. like right I like this and I don't like this and this might be why mm-hmm. and maybe I'll try it in the future with somebody else all these steps lead into being a great lover but it's how do you get people to that point where they're really sure. and that's so difficult for men and again I understand why there's so much pressure and that's a question I, I actually I wanted to pose to Madeline, with your these festivals and these workshops mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. do, is there a is is it for couples? Is it for men or women? And if it is for kind of you know all that, do you see a real difference when people start and when people finish? Is there an improvement? I mean, do you see a visible improvement in people? A hundred percent, like new beings. Like after the last, um, so I teach at different festivals or we teach workshops, but the last festival that was completely around sexuality, I would say people were left looking younger because they're like feeling more fulfilled in themselves and rejuvenated and they're getting their needs, but they may not have got met ever in their whole life. And that also takes like the inner work. Like I love this point though for around like owning your own shit. Like also 
yeah, creating this deep intimate experience can also be challenging and hard to like sit with your grief, sit with your anger, your frustration, like bringing stuff cleanly to a partner to say like, this is where I'm feeling resentful or this is what I need or this is what I want. And like bringing that and creating that harmony. And I really believe like emotional intimacy is often the foundation of, of sexual intimacy Absolutely. and creating that that bedrock for everything else to land on. Because I would say that sex in the bedroom is a microcosm. So if you're just brushing over things and you're just wanting to get there, get there, get there, it's not, it's gonna be the same as in life, right? But if you can take the time to understand yourself and understand someone else, it can be, it gets to be that masterpiece or it gets to be beautiful. And yeah, so on these experiences, I 100% see it. And even just people coming in and, and like not even realizing consent is a thing. And mm. I've actually just, yeah, I came back from a workshop last weekend at a festival called Medicine Festival and we, it was a, a ritual around devotion and, and I was asking people to ask what they wanted from other people and I invited men to ask what they wanted, uh, what kind of touch they wanted and the feedback afterwards, I had these men coming up to me and saying, I've never been asked how, I don't even know how to ask someone what kind of touch, no one's ever asked me, I've always been focused on the woman or what to do and so it's like, wow, really deconstructing <laughs> all these different things and, get it, and getting to recreate something different and really believing that these kind of conversations get to be part of that. That's really, really cool actually and it, it's so good that those spaces do exist because a, a bit like the, the sexual experience being very penis focused it's also very orgasm focused mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. why a lot of it i think is that there is a this end point that we kind of work mm -hmm, towards mm -hmm. when you're spent and you're tired and everything when actually you could just keep going and it could be really fun and you could enjoy it you can go for days exactly Absolutely. and yeah. it's just yeah. it doesn't have to be this kind of um well, what is it? The, the French for le petit mort, the little death. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be that. And I wonder if this is a reflection on society as we talk about penis size and this goal-oriented sex. It's around like status, right? Like you need to get somewhere, you need to do something, have the best orgasm and, and like all these frames of like the pressure men ha may, may have around penis size or making a woman come. And it's like, how can we unpack that and see this as a contextual issue? That, we're all, that, that men are facing. So just building on what you were saying about the feedback that you've got mm. from men in these workshops, mm. have you, are there any other interesting or surprising comments that you've received from men who either in the sense of them being really frustrated saying, oh, I, I, I just don't know what to do or I feel like I should know what to do to some of those revelations, you know, similar to what you've just said around never being asked you know how they like to be touched or always focusing on the women have you have you mm. come across any other really interesting insights that perhaps surprised you or that might mm. surprise people listening as well yeah i'm really grateful for my career and in these in all these humbling moments right to meet humans in this vulnerability which is why i really like feel so grateful for this work and i'll remember and i'm yeah i can share this um yeah, with this with consent, they, they've shared about it themselves. But one person early on in my career, I remember them coming to me and they really wanted to learn, yeah, how to be better in bed. And this was all around the work. And I was based in London at the time and I was asking them how they want to receive touch and like what feels good for them. And in that moment, again, like breaking down and not even realizing that they didn't even know like they didn't even know how it felt to be touched on the arm or how it felt like they couldn't even distinguish what that was or their own pleasure from giving pleasure to someone else. And this is what we often see. And this like, 
it's like there's, there isn't the deconstructing of, of pleasure or what we want or desire. And so there's been, yeah, many moments like this and, and, and more recently around like couples or even like women realizing that it's performative and couples realizing that like they get to actually build more, they get to go through death and rebirths in a couple. So yeah, forever a humbling journey to meet people in this. And, you know, I got into this work because I was shit at intimacy. Yeah, I wasn't having the relationships I really wanted and I thought it's for everyone else. I thought, oh, everyone else is doing it. Or like, I'm reading the top five tips on Google and yeah. I'm not experiencing it. Why aren't yeah. I? And and so really it's come through that and my own journey of like, wow, I get to have fulfilling sex and amazing relationships. So what, what do we think are the keys to, because obviously we've talked a lot about how difficult men find it to to talk about this kind of stuff and to be vulnerable enough to say I don't I don't know enough about this I want to learn but given the pressures on men to you know perform this this status around sex the idea that they should know what to do and and that their sense of themselves really comes with you know being able to be sexually active and kind of dominant how do we begin to break all those barriers down what's the sort of practical I mean your workshop sounds like a really good yeah. I like the Good idea. first step and, and your sex education as well. Um, I would like closer, to see, but... have you seen those videos on TikTok, et cetera, where people t take a photo of their first drink at the wedding? And no, oh, yes. I would like to see someone before oh they come gosh. to your first yeah. wedding. I would love that. I find it really interesting. <laughs> but I think like you said something I found really, in I found really like touching because I've been there is like a lot of men don't know, like don't know how it feels to really be touched on the arm. Mm -hmm. And I've had lots of experiences in my life, sexual experiences with men who've identified as straight publicly and they're exploring in their own journey which is fine and consensual with me and I understand where I've kind of explored them and you can see it's the first time they've been explored mm. like that and then they almost get this false affection for you and like mm. they feel like they're in love or something it's like no it's just you've, I'm just the first person who's mm. really like and that's a shame but it's also understandable because there's so much pressure around sex yeah and I think like how do we like fix this going forward and again it comes back to the first thing we spoke about which is communication yeah and it it will always come back to that and whether that means communicating our issues with a counselor with ourselves with a family member with our friends if we're lucky enough to have that you know that's step one mm -hmm. and you're, you're just going to keep tripping over until you you need to fix the crux of the issue. Mm. Sure. I can speak from experience, actually, when you mentioned that, uh, Tova, that you had men who have that false affection, because I'm also one of those people who gives false affection in that moment. Mm. And in the past, when I've had sex with a woman, they touch me on my, on my sort of lower back, just bare skin. And for me, that's kind of... It's not like a fetishy kind of thing. It's just this moment of, oh my God, someone's touching me. Mm. You know, yeah. it's such yeah. a... It's wonderful. It's such yeah. a mellow and warming moment. And then, yeah, I feel that the instant reaction is, right, okay, we need to get married, have kids, that's everything. I think that's really endearing, but I think it speaks a lot to how unfulfilled some people are. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they haven't had great shags in the past. Yeah. But we're so much more than just holes and cocks. Like we're covered in nerve endings. And when you have feelings or a crush or just sexual attraction towards someone, mm. to feel them explore you, you know, mm. the actual physical touch plus the the mm. feelings you have towards them doing it is yeah. like the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. the best, mm. I mean, the best it's orgasms amazing. come from just holding hands. 
Mm. This is true. But that's at the very start of everything. Just mm. holding hands or a simple kiss is just, that is... Mm. It's that warmth, isn't it? It's yeah. lovely. I mean, it's also mm. nice to like ride a footballer's face, but like, I do love... <laughs> I've not done touch. that. Hey, I can't speak to that one. But <laughs> well, the, you can read about it in my new book. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But I, I love this and I really appreciate your vulnerability because I feel like it speaks to... I love it. Like our attachment needs, right? Like mm. someone's there and they, they care about you and they care about your pleasure and they want to be there for you and like how important that is yeah. and how much that gets to be fed into these experiences. It's just such a nice moment. And especially as the person um, was someone who I fancied as well. I say fancy, mm. I'm not 12 years old. Uh, <laughs> That's it was, cute. It was like, Had a crush on uh, Well, yeah, it was just like this moment of mm. validation and mm. like also just having someone's hand on your back yeah. anyway as like a friend mm -hmm. or, your, or their arm around you is really nice as well. Yeah. But just like being witnessed mm -hmm. in a moment is... Mm -hmm. is yeah, it's so lovely. And you're always going to remember it. Absolutely. And isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That you, and I'll you share can... it on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you can go through life and you can have these wonderful experiences with people and you don't have to couple up with them. No. You don't have to, yeah. even sometimes in some cases, see them again, especially on the queer scene. But you have these wonderful memories and experiences and touch and like you take that going forward and that's what developing sex is all about is I really liked that. So now maybe I'm onto something. So mm. maybe I'll try... Like if if I met a guy who liked his lower back and he really, I bet, mm. oh cool, this guy maybe would really appreciate some little bit of body worship mm. and, mm. you know, sensuality and like tickling and like you, there's a million different ways exactly. you can branch yeah. off, but use it as your, like anyone listening to this and like, if you want to be like an old whore like me, <laughs> an ethical whore, it's just to like pay attention. That's mm. all you need to do. Like be responsive. It's, I know it's mm. not easy. I know it's I know it's mortifying in some ways to be vulnerable in the bedroom. You know, especially if you've got your legs open in front of someone or something. You know, but I just think pay attention to what they respond to. And as we're all saying, I think there's just a tremendous richness to the whole experience of being with someone. It's not mm. all about penetrative sex. Yeah, absolutely. All sorts of different ways that people move or that they enjoy touch or that you enjoy touch and there's so much to learn you're listening to the love cupboard if you're enjoying what you're listening to please make sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media on twitter and instagram at the love cupboard I want to move on slightly from that by broaching the the idea of once we are in a, a good relationship in that sense that is intimate where there is good communication, what how do we get to a long term satisfaction? Because I that that seems to be quite a challenge as well for people in long term relationships where perhaps they they are sexually compatible, they've had lots of good ex, you know really fun and and really energizing really loving experiences intimate experiences with each other what can they do to make sure that that intimacy and that sexual connection is maintained because I think I've quoted her in every single podcast we've done but there's a great Esther Perel quote love um, about sex in a long-term relationship and she says love enjoys knowing everything about you desire needs mystery love likes to shrink the distance between you and me while desire is energized by it I think that's really interesting in terms of the contradictions of how we engage in a relationship and try and be closer to each other. But actually, you know, we need some of that mystery and distance to keep the intimacy, the the sexual attraction going. So 
what do you think we can do to maintain that? There's low. Oh gosh, I mean, I'd be very rich if I knew. Like, I mean, what's like? How do we keep it spicy? And I really, I think every cosmopolitan magazine in the '90s, like, was supposed to, wasn't it? Like, I remember reading them when I was a kid, which yeah, probably explains a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> I think like this idea of retaining mystery, whilst also like to be loving, is to be open and to like you understand them as a whole, and to uh, literally as a whole sometimes. But um, to like to keep that mystery is is difficult and it's like spinning plates um one of one great way to do it just talking from my industry and my experience and my little corner of the world sex toys for long-term relationships are wonderful and i think people think oh no that means we're giving up you know that that means that i can't fulfill her or you know he my dick isn't enough and and then she's thinking oh am i not good enough in bed no what it does is it, you you get these products and you explore them together and it builds intimacy and mystique and little things that I always recommend. Like so many of my friends who are in long-term relationships, and I'm not recommending everyone do this because I probably get arrested for it, but like is to take like Bluetooth vibrators out into public, even if it's a walk in the park, even if it's walking out and giving your partner the remote control. Little things like that do help like kind of nurture that mystery because their body's reacting to something you're doing and you're in control and I think like it just keeps things spicy in a way. Mm-hmm. And I, I've I've always found personally, just through my experience over the years, sex toys really do help develop intimacy and long term relationships, especially. Mm, beautiful. And I love that that idea of how dynamics can come in yeah. to to the vibrate on the Bluetooth. That's it's so mysterious, like being on the tube or whatever mm-hmm. and like going to sit on other like I've done it before and it's so exciting. Like for someone I had a long term relationship, like four and a half years. I knew everything like this, every mm. type of sex you could possibly have. But I'm sorry, as soon as you take that onto the tube of a vibrator, you, uh, it's just so exciting because mm. you're breaking a rule, it's taboo. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And But you're in it with them. Mm-hmm. But there's a mystery with the fact that they're in control or you're in control, mm-hmm. but you're with them. So you retain that mm. intimacy because you're in it together mm. and you're breaking the rules. And you just... It's a case of exploration as well, I suppose, mm. because yeah. I think in long-term relationships as well, you think that perhaps you've done all the work already when actually you may because now you are you feel that you're secure in a relationship you now have the ability and the 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 sense of liberty that you you know the person so well that they're not going to judge you so actually you can start to think well actually I do want to try this and I want to do this and I'm not going to be judged at all by it because the person I'm with likes me for who I am yeah you know when we're in long-term relationships we can often see the person as we did when we first met them yeah or like want that initial honeymoon phase to carry on right and then when things shift perhaps work gets busier you move in together or you become more companions or like best friends or whatever is the dynamic can shift so i'm wondering how it can feel like to not make any phase wrong and just keep meeting each other in the new the new explorations trying different things rather than i see couples that think like oh we don't have that honeymoon phase anymore so therefore something's wrong with the relationship whereas can we see the honeymoon phase as like often a huge mix of like hormones going all around our systems in the early stages of attachment and then you build the safety and security how can that be the bedrock for you to explore newer aspects of yourselves and i think i used the phrase earlier on like the death and the rebirth of each other and also in the bedroom and often working with couples i see it like a three-legged race so you like you have either the couple i no one can see you can't see this listening but 
um, you have each each person that ends in the couple, the individual. Then you have the the pair of the couple, and perhaps one person takes a step forward and says like, oh, I I think I want to go to a sex party, but the other person in the couple is like, no no no, that's not us. I've known you for five years. We don't do that kind of thing. And there can be like intercouple shame that that can show itself. So it often takes yeah these conversations around like. What do you want to create together? And that's why I re- I'd recommend things like, yeah, relationship check-ins. Like, what do you love about each other? What's going well? That really builds that appreciation for couples, like just feeling mm. loved and seen mm. within the dynamic, not taking each other for granted. And then like, what do you want more of? Or like, what are you afraid of telling me? What do you want to explore? And like being with that and the lightness and the play of it and building that trust, because I really believe that when these are here, you just get, it just gets better and better for long-term couples. Definitely. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? That actually when, you, when you're saying that someone can suggest doing something that neither of you have tried, mm. that's when you're sort of pushing the relationship forwards because you've got the, the yeah, safety yeah. and security from yeah, yeah. the sexual experience that you've had with each other so far. Mm-hmm. But actually the excitement then comes from, I've not tried this, I haven't either. Well, if we try it together, yeah, it's yeah. going to be really yeah. exciting thing to do yeah. to for both of us to discover at the same time together yeah. on the foundation of, mm. you know, trusting each other and mm. loving each other. And, and so, yeah, I guess mm. that's where the mystery and the desire is mm. is heightened again. Yeah, there's interesting thing around like, yeah, the mystery. And I'm wondering if that's around like yeah intention like that sounds very like elusive right like oh what is the mystery and like i wonder if like intentionally creating space for intimacy yeah yeah intentionally entering into it and like i love this idea around love being a choice and like mm. when you're in commitment it's like oh we're going to choose or like things have felt a bit like uh, not like anything's boring but we haven't had time for that intimacy recently so let's intentionally put our attention towards something that may create a bit of excitement for us and that can build mystery or like really mystery is like what's a part of them i haven't seen yet yeah wow i didn't know they're like that oh my fucking god yeah and i think it's i I do i really like that love is a choice quote as well because i think the honeymoon period can be so intoxicating Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it's impossible for it to keep going yeah because at some point you will know that person and other things will get in the way in your lives and you will mm-hmm. settle into some sort of rhythm mm-hmm. and just knowing that it's not that you've fallen out of love with that person Absolutely. or that you're not finding them interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just the honeymoon period's over. So now we have to find a different way of communicating with each other, yeah. a different way of finding how yeah. we can, you know, unravel mm-hmm. those little pockets of mystery and excitement. Yeah, so true. And I love this this phrasing that you've used and this invites me to like yeah really explain like yeah how can that be a really great sign when you're out of the honeymoon phase because you're like wow we really sunk into the base of who we are perhaps our attachment stuff's coming up and perhaps deeper more vulnerable pieces we're not who we think we should be for the other person anymore we're really Mm. in our places and how you can from that foundation of trust yeah build that like yeah the mysterious pockets Mm. i think there's also a great culture in um in the uk of that uh which perhaps we don't we tend to kind of shame a bit, but actually dogging mm. and outside sex is quite a big thing in the UK. And I don't think we necessarily give it the, the credit where it's due of actually what it can do yeah. for relationships. We just, we kind of shame it. There was that Channel 4 documentary a good few years ago about dogging and they all wore kind of masks and everything. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes up as a meme every so often. And actually I look back on it now. I want to find the meme. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's just... 
I, I look back on it now and I think we're just shaming people for trying to have you know good relationships Absolutely. there's a reason there's such a like a monumentally big underbelly of sex mm-hmm. parties and it's like yeah. s- swinging in this country mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you know there's a website dedicated to it like fab yeah. swingers and it's enormous it's huge i mean it looks like a myspace html layout from like the uh, yeah it needs a bit of an update a yeah bit. but <laughs> um i had a lot of fun thanks to fab swingers but there's a reason that these websites thrive and why sex mm-hmm. clubs are so busy is because people need that release people want it and that like they're successful because people like require this yeah Mm because it's part of the human experience and i feel like again if we're addressing shame like how many people would want to do that but they're just not brave enough because of abc Mm -hmm. and i think like just touching on like partnership and going into these things together is so exciting because i feel like you, there's so many things to dissect when you're go, when you're transitioning out of the honeymoon phase into like really being together and it's addressing things like jealousy mm. like is this uh, hurting my ego is like and all these things we can dissect and then to go into these new experiences together and have that safety net of love and support and know this person cares about you and that they're, they're mm. on your team but also you're doing this exciting thing together and it's almost like standing outside of a club and you can hear the bass and you're looking at each other and you're about to push the doors together. And you're like that. Mm. That's so, isn't that wonderful to have yeah. someone with you in that moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah just, and, and, to, and to both be able to discover how you will respond yeah. in this completely new environment exactly. and new situation yeah. when having been in a long-term relationship where you might actually know a lot about each other and there might not be that much mm-hmm. yeah. that surprises you, but it's, a new experience, a yeah. new way to to explore together. I basically, think what's really interesting, um, having two um, male queer people here, is how better gay men and queer men are at doing this. I mm. think than heterosexual people. Yeah, we have the spaces. We we're much better at doing the kind of saunas and yeah. the kind of open relationships, whilst also having this long term commitment. Um, and I don't know about you, Topher, but I think that that is such a, a liberating thing. I think that we have this kind of culture in in this country, but across the world, perhaps, of openness, but also commitment. I don't know what you think. I, there's, I mean, this, the scenes are huge. Because like, of my job, I work with a, a, a very popular chain of gay sex shops. And I'm always traveling around going to like being the face at events and stuff. And all these countries and everyone has the same goals, you know. There's the couples, and then but then there's amazing sex parties and the under, underworlds of sex. And in London, we have amazing clubs like Hard On and stuff, which is run by the insanely cool Susie Kruger. Um, I think as queer people, we we kind of age a little bit later, mm. and that gives we have a crash course in sex because we've been told all of our lives that sex is our sex is wrong. Yeah, mm. and then you hit eighteen or sixteen or whatever, and you crave it and you run into it and then you you dissect that shame in a way and I mean you you always retain a part of it because homophobia is so all around us but we are so overtly sexual and open to it because we have a crash course yeah at a really like vulnerable age which is usually for us like 16 17 18 19 and we are much more open to seeing sex for what it is as opposed to emotional chains of connection and um if it sometimes it can, I mean, sex can be great, and sex can just be a physical transaction in the moment. I think queer queer men especially are really good at decompartmentalizing Absolutely. it. Yeah, I think that kind of um, 
kind of emotional distance there is actually translating more into younger um, kind of heterosexual perhaps scenes with the rise of the app field. Mm. Yeah. This kind of very sex positive, very open. Uh, hetero flexible. Hetero flexible. <laughs> Everyone who messages me is hetero flexible. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's much more open to, you know, those kind of experiences and interpretations, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think there also needs to be an element of the education that we've spoken about for these things to kind of go ahead and to be successful and for people to feel that they are perhaps supported in having really great sex with whoever they want, the education behind it and the communication that is given, it just needs to be top notch. Otherwise, bad things happen and unfortunately they still do. Things like Feral are great for allowing, especially like men who, just from my experience of Feral, a lot the I would say 99.9% of messages I get on any dating app are from men who publicly identify as straight. It's always been the way. And because of the character I have in some of my porn who is like catering to that field gives a lot of people a window in, you know, men who may not be comfortable downloading something like Grindr. Yeah. Because that's so gay. That's a gay man's app. You know, field is a nice, comfortable, safe baby step in. And I think it's wonderful that that is there. And to have these gentle sexuality options, like orientation options, like hetero flexible, it's a really nice baby step into maybe I'm queer. Yeah. But I'm not sure yet. So let me just try. Mm. And I'm, I'm all about that. I love, that's really my corner of the world. I love that. I love safe introductions into new types of sex. Mm. I suppose, and Madeline, do you kind of have that experience at all with in your workshops and in your work of this, I mean, it's an exploration, of course it is, but that kind of liberation that people might feel in your workshops, do they sometimes leave and they think, oh my God, I'm a completely different person or just that they found themselves? Mm, um, I have had some feedback like that. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like it comes down for me to like, we don't know what we don't know. And I'm remembering as you're talking, like when I realized that I was pansexual, I didn't even know that word existed. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I knew that I was also interested with women, but like I didn't really yeah, identify with bisexual. And so it's like often people might not know what they like or don't like until they can see it or until they even hear about it or have the, the space to be in it. And what I've noticed about working in person with people is that it's a little bit of structure, for example, like kink workshops or something where people can like feel like, oh, okay, someone's here to kind of show me, literally maybe show me the ropes. And then, <laughs> and, um, and they can just like that softening. A, it's the permission, like, oh, wow. Other people also want to do this as well. And like, it's okay and it's safe. And like, and then discovering their own parts of themselves as well. Because I feel like, yeah, as I said earlier, um, sex being a microcosm, like often there's so many aspects of ourselves that we want or we don't want or like parts that we've disowned that may show up where when we kind of, when we do, yeah, take that ownership piece or that discovery piece into our sexuality, we often can go through a huge rebirth of who mm. we are and how we show up in the world. Mm. Definitely. I did that in my late twenties mm. and I was always very sexually open, but I started to try different types of sex and like wearing different outfits and stuff. Mm. And I suddenly realized shit, like I really, get off on this mm. and like I don't think you can you can always evolve with sex and I think again like that's one of the things like communication what does that even mean yeah it's just trying a new thing basically to make simplify it try new things sometimes they really fucking turn you on sometimes mm. they don't but mm. you know what if you do you won't know unless you try them and if you want to keep this this sex life exciting if you want to keep this relationship fresh 
you've always got to keep taking the next step. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's limitless. Like I'm sure sometimes you just want to lay back and get pumped and missionary and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that if that's Not what you want, if that's your... Mm. Pr- I love it personally, but I feel like you need to just always be mindful of what's what's out there and how can how can I fulfill myself as alongside mm. fulfilling them. And ultimately it reminds me of this idea that like our pleasure is our responsibility. You know, like it's up to us. Yes. We can often seek it outside or like these dopamine hits where we may be getting the pleasure, but it's like sexual fulfillment and that deeper desires. Like it's up to us to understand what that may look or feel like for us and then either seek or create environments where we can have those needs met. Yeah, mm. I, I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. Mm. Unfortunately, we are going to have to draw the episode to a close um, just because of the time that we have. We could sit here and talk about it and make some really fantastic deep entendres for the rest of our days. <laughs> uh, but we've already made a few. We've made a few. Yeah, we've sorry, dropped I'm a few. Like a yeah. down no, carry on. Um, thank you so much to Madeleine Monroe and to Tofa Taylor for joining us. It's been such an amazing um, conversation and I think exploration in itself because, as we've said, men don't talk about sex in the way that perhaps would be helpful for them. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Dan Reist. And I'm Matt Kendall. And thank you very much for joining. You've been listening to The Love Couple. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the love cupboard.